Hey, good morning. Hey, if you're new, uh, really glad you're here. I'm Charlie, the lead pastor here. And if you're joining us online or you're here, if you're new, I really are glad that you are here with us. And we are starting a new series today on uh, doing one of our money series. But before that, I feel like I need to apologize for something that happened last Sunday when I was hosting. Normally, I'm really trying to be mindful with I'm teaching, hosting, whatever. Always mindful that there are new people in the room. Try to avoid inside jokes. But when I was announcing the men's retreat last week, we have this awesome graphic, and I love every bit of it. It is just, uh, yeah, it's a wolf and a bear, and it's just great. It's awesome, and I was just like, man, men's retreat, that logo, that's all you need to know. Just not thinking about, because there's a lot of people here who have never been to a men's retreat and don't know what that is and be like, that doesn't help me at all. I was like, well, it doesn't help us either. Like, that isn't, it's not explanatory of anything, but I think about the fact that no one know if you don't know anything, you don't even know what it is. But it's, it's a great time. It's one of the most refreshing times of the year. Uh, there's a really great little retreat center about an hour and a half away from here. It's beautiful. It's just us there on the property. Um, we'll eat together, have a little bit of content, like some speakers. We'll kind of talk about how we can grow and do better as men. We'll break up into small groups, kind of talk about some things. It's a lot of hang time. It's beautiful. And it really is just a really refreshing, encouraging time. And so twice a year, we're talking about men's retreat or women's retreat. I just say, man, whatever it is you're family situation is, man, just try to help your spouse, encourage them, empower them to feel the freedom to to take that time because it really is, it will recharge you to help you be better in all the, uh, all the aspects of your life. So that is coming in a few weeks. Hope to see all you guys there. Like I said, we're um, getting ready to kick off this new series and just you know a little something about me. Like I'm, I'm really into movies. I love, I love movies. And God, you remember? Anybody remember Movie Pass? Anybody remember Movie Pass? You can pay like ten dollars a month and go see all the movies. Like, can we just take a moment, have a moment of silence for like one of the greatest eras in history? Like, just oh. And so, anyways, I love, I love going to see movies, especially man, you don't, where you're barely having to pay anything. But anyways, like I, for my work schedule, typically. Uh, Monday afternoons are off. I don't, I'm not working. And so I will very often go and see a movie. It's, it's re- recharging for me. I really love it. I've got just tons of movie opinions. I mean, I could talk about movies and plots and all these different things all day. And, you know, some, you know, I don't, some movies can be really stressful, but sometimes you just need a movie that's just like really, really safe, like you know exactly what's going to happen. And I'm going to tell you about one of them, and you're going to think, man, he's about to spoil this movie. And I promise you cannot spoil this movie because you, you already know. And so uh, a few weeks ago, I saw Free Guy with um, Ryan Reynolds. And essentially, it follows this very basic every movie kind of plot. Like, first you're kind of introduced to what's going on in the universe. Oh, he's a, he's a video game character. Oh, okay, so you get that. Oh, you see, he's in right here. Okay, okay. And so you start to learn kind of the... What's going on inside the game, what's going on in the real world, how these things interact. They kind of set up the world for you. And then what happens? Oh, no, something bad happens. The world's in danger. It's probably not going to work out. They're trying to make it work out. Oh, no, it's not going to work Oh, it did. It worked out. Yay. And then, and then either the, the old world gets restored or you get to go to a new world or something like that. Like, it's like That's just kind of how these things work. You know, and for an hour and a half, you're just kind of at peace. Like, oh, that was cute. That was fun. It was like, and, and I was never stressed about where it was going. Some people ask me, like, hey, do you like the Fast and Furious movies? And it's a really difficult it's not, it's not a simple answer. I mean, 
I mean, they are what they are, right? I mean, they they they, they just are, but they're but they're but they're great for what they are because you don't have again you don't have any stress, any worry about what's gonna oh what's gonna happen? Oh, they they come in, they're all together. There's a lot of technology, whatever. Oh no, bad guys are about to take over the world to blow stuff up, kill people, or whatever. Oh no, we gotta save it. Is it gonna work? Oh, but and then inexplicably every time the only way to save the world is by driving cars fast, which is great. And in the end, you think it's not gonna work, and then it does. Yay! And it's all about family, and you're just like. That was great. And, you know, I like good plot twists. I like stories that are a little more complicated than that. But really, I mean, most movies, most stories kind of follow that basic idea. You get introduced to a world, universe, and this is how things are supposed to be. And then something happens and the world breaks. And then somehow the hero, the heroes or whatever... There's this idea like we've got to get it back. We've got to fix what is broken. And then some new world is kind of birthed out of it. And as I was thinking about this, Mark, Mark and I were talking, kind of getting ready for this money series. And just this idea just kind of kept coming back to me. This, this, this kind of this plot, this story. And, you know, and the, the Bible has a, a story. You know, God sets up this universe and here's how it is. And here's, here's God and here's people. Here's how it works. And then something breaks the world. And then there is this long arc of redemption, and then a, a new world is formed, both in this life and, and then one to come. We kind of see this. And honestly, along with this kind of macro, big-picture story of the Bible, I was thinking about, like, our, our smaller story kind of fits in that very same vein, where we've got this idea, like, this is what... This is the universe. This is the world God wanted to give us. You know, and, and, and then something happens, and then something's got to be done to fix it so that we can experience something, something brand new. And I think there is something going on with all of us collectively, all of us individually as well, where it's just like, and money's just a problem. It's just, it's just, it's just broken. It's just broken, and we find ourselves in these ruts, and there's a reason why. There's a reason why, no matter what poll or survey or whatever it is you look at, it's always in the top three of the reason why marriages are breaking, money stress. It's always a re- there's a reason why it's in, always in the top three for things that people are feeling stressed and anxious about. It's, there's a reason why Jesus, over and over again in the Scripture, said, this is the number one thing that is going to pe- compete for your primary attention with God. We've got, we've got to figure this out. And so we made a decision a long time ago as a church. As long as that continues to be the case, we're going to continue to talk about it. In fact, we made a decision a while ago that two things that seem to be more than anything else seem to be wrecking people and breaking families and just doing damage to us on the inside is our perspectives on money and our perspectives perspectives on our own sexuality and so we made a decision that we are not going to shy away from either of those topics and we're just going to talk about them but for the first time in the history of the Grove Church we are coming at you full force simultaneously on both fronts at the same time so just buckle up right and so what is our story what is our story with our money and where are you right now in yours? And, and what is it going to take for us individually and collectively as God's people to get on a different track? 
And so if we're going to talk about the big picture of the story, we're going to talk about kind of what is this universe, what is this world, where do we find ourselves, how were things supposed to be, let's go to the beginning. And if, you know, the beginning is the actual beginning, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, in the beginning, in the first character we get introduced to, in the, in the beginning, God. God created the heavens and the earth, and then we see the Spirit is hovering over chaos to bring order to chaos, and then we see this powerful God just speak with words. And by speaking words brings everything into existence. We see light and darkness, and then we see the shapes begin to come, and planets and skies and heavens, and then land and water, and then he begins to fill the skies and begins to fill the seas, and we see this powerful, creative God putting together everything that we know. So we see from the beginning, okay, this is, this is, we live in a created world by a very good and powerful God because at the end of every day, he's like, man, that was good. It was good. That was good. And then we find ourselves on day number six, and this powerful God begins to fill the land with creatures. We've got fish, we've got birds, and now we're going to fill the lands with land creatures. And then moving towards the end of day six, God has one more thing that he wants to create. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. And then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. So God has created the, the light and dark. He's created planets and stars, the sun, the moon. He's created all these things, and he's, and he's begins to fill it with birds. He begins to fill it with with fish and with and with and with animals. And he's like, well, there's one more thing that I want to create. And some, somehow this is very different. He's like, I, I, want, I want this creation to be in my image. I want, I want, this, I want, I want, I want this, this creation, I want it to reflect me in some way. Very different and distinct from everything else. And then after those six days, he looks and he says, man, every bit of this. And this is, this is very good. And so we jump into the big picture story of the Bible and ultimately, we kind of begin to kind of insert ourselves, kind of like, I begin to think, like, where, where do I fit? Okay, I'm, 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 one of this, I'm one of this creation. And so we see the beginning. We see kind of laying the foundation kind of for what the world was, what the world was supposed to be, and who the major characters are. And there's a couple of things that I think that I want to make sure that we observe from this passage. 
And when I say them, they're not going to seem necessarily particularly insightful, where you're just like, man, I didn't know that. But I think it's going to be really important for us today to kind of move from, do I know that, to do I believe that? Because I think, as again, as we think about our story and the, and the reason why money and possessions are such a stressful part of our story, I think it very much begins with shifts and problems and attitudes that we have about really believing these two fundamental truths about God and the universe that He's created. And the first one is this. The first thing is this. The world... The world, the world belongs to God. It's, it's His. He built it. He made it. He owns it. it is, it's His. He, it, it is His property. It is His creation. It is His masterpiece. It is His work of art. Choose your metaphor. But regardless, this is Him. It came from Him. It is for Him. It belongs to Him. It is 100% His. Psalm 24, 1 says, I mean, it just explicitly says, the world belongs to God. Everything that is in it is God's. It is His possession. I was talking about this with somebody earlier this week, just this idea of, of a God. I mean, like, there was just God. And he was like, I want to create. He had something just like an artist that was just in him that he just he wanted to get out an act of, of beauty and of power and, and complexity. And he just, he created it. He made it. And it's his, you know, and there was no, there was nobody that's like, okay, well, I want, I want, I need people to buy this. I need people to see this. It was just, it was just in him. And, and he created it. It is a beautiful piece of art. But it is important for us to understand that it is his possession. It, it belongs to him. And, and on it, you, you start saying that, and it's like, again, if I, if I put it on a quiz, God owns the universe, true, false. You're like, oh, yeah, totally true. But I say it out loud, and I say it enough times, and we, I don't know, we start to feel a little queasy, starts to feel a little weird, because there's, there's, there's something that we associate when someone says, that's mine. You're like, but maybe it's mine. Like, what do you mean? Like, we associate that with, with selfishness, with control, because that's what typically we mean when we say it. That's mine. That means you don't get it. And so we start to have some sort of objections even to this idea. And we have, can we just be honest? We have a very self-centered worldview. We have a very person-centered worldview. Where really I look around and all I see, I mean, I, this, is, this is about me. This is about me. And at best, on my best days, this is about us, people. That that's what this life is about. It's, it's about us. To the point to where, it's very typical of Americanism, there is an American cult that essentially remade this idea and essentially said, essentially says that all, all souls existed already. And the world was created to put them in it so that they could have a place to be. So then the world is ours, and a very natural consumption mentality comes with that. Again, a very American type of tradition. But that is not what happened. This wasn't created for you because you weren't here. I need a good place for Charlie to go. Charlie, you know Charlie. 
I, God created for, for him. Now, ultimately, he did create people, and there's a reason for that. But I think there is a sense in which we just kind of need to stop and be like, this is his. And rather than being defensive about that, rather than feeling like we need to argue about that or feel like, well, I'm going to have to, let's just take a moment, step back, and just admire that. I mean, we go to museums. I say we. You go to museums all the time to admire something that is beautiful, not to take it. I mean, there are movies, I guess, where this happens. You go to a museum, the heist movies, right? We're going to steal a great piece of art because I, I want to own it. But that's not why 99.9% .9 of people go to museums. I want to admire something beautiful, something amazing, something transformational, something incredible, and then think about the artist and what this means and what this reflects on them and this art and life and everything. And we need to take a step back and say, man, this, the universe isn't about me possessing it. It already belongs to somebody else. I'm going to just stand in admiration of how beautiful and incredibly complex and awesome it is and how this reflects on an amazing God. Because when we start thinking way too much about what is mine and what is not mine, we're missing a big picture foundational piece of what the universe was supposed to be. Where it's like just a tribute, a masterpiece of an incredible artist, a design uh, of an incredible designer, someone with incredible power, beauty, and creativity. And when I think about how complex the world is, and, and, and the deeper science gets in really understanding the way the universe works, the more complex it becomes, and the more incredible God is. And then, you know, we're talking about this with men's retreat. People talk about going all over the world to see beautiful things. Man, you are an hour and a half away from a view and a place that is going to take your breath away of just the overwhelming beauty of what God has painted for us, for us to see, to observe, to be a part of, to witness. And we should stand back and just worship and admire that. Again, we think about this world, and I tell you that God owns it, and too often we go negative. We become territorial. We become defensive. We become weird. And, we, and we, don't take the, we don't take the time instead to just be like, wow, this God is big. This God is great. This God is creative. And so it all belongs to him. It's totally his. But again, he didn't leave it there. He didn't just, he didn't just create something. After, you know, I guess we're you know, halfway through day six, he looks and says, this is all really good, but there's one more thing that I want to create. I want someone to experience this with. I'm going to create someone in my own image, someone that is a reflection of me, not something that is inanimate, not something that is simply beautiful, not something that operates on instinct, but something that is aware of, they're aware of themselves. They're aware of me. They're aware of the world around them. And they can experience with me as a partner, as a friend, as a son, as a daughter. They can experience this, and I can share this with them. 
not just something that obviously is a part of creation, but also lives on another level of relationship with me. And he's like, I want, I, I created this, and now I want someone to be able to experience it and love it, and I want to share this with them. Again, it's important that we get that order right. It's God's, but the second part is He has generously shared it with us. That is very different than saying the world is yours. This, the world belongs to God, it is His, and He has made a decision to say, I want to create a people that I can love, that can love me back, that I can share all of this with. I mean, he says this all throughout here. Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over everything. I want you to explore every aspect of this place. I want you to be everywhere. It's, gonna, it's, it's, it's different everywhere you go. There's a different type of beauty everywhere. And the more you spread out and experience this diversity, the more diverse that you're going to become. And there's just going to be beauty and diversity and amazing things everywhere. And I want you to experience, I'm, I'm giving it to you. And I want you as my stewards, as the people, my caretakers, I want you to experience this thing because it is beautiful. And I want us to be able to relate and I want us to have this sort of relationship. He wants us, he, he wants us to prosper. I mean, I think it's really important to kind of take a moment and just kind of stop. Like, I want you to fill this place up. I want you to subdue it. I'm giving all of it to you. I mean, that is the act and the words of an incredibly generous God. He created this, this, this art, this masterpiece, this incredible world. And then he created you and placed you right in it. And said, I want, I want this, I want this, I want you to be able to experience this. I want this for you. Enjoy it, live it, love it. That is an act of generosity. And I think it's important for us to kind of make sure we put that in the right order. Because there's a difference between you claiming something that's yours and someone generously giving you something that you can share. I mean, there's a difference. There's a difference in attitude. I mean, you just, I mean, two toddlers and a toy. Two toddlers, two preschoolers and a piece of candy. Me and you and just about anything, right? I mean, it's just, it's not, we always like to pick on the toddlers fighting over a sucker. You need to share that sucker. Mine. And the, the toddlers, no, it's mine. Like, no, there's no share. But this is what God has done, a generous God who wants to share his world with us. And so, the world belongs to him. He has generously shared it with us. And so I ask you, is that the God you believe in? Is that the God you believe in? Now, I want to make sure you understand the question that I'm not asking. Because some of you, or I don't imagine most all of you, know what's in Genesis 2. In Genesis chapter 2, we've got the thing with the tree, with the knowledge of good and evil. You can eat anything, but you just can't have this one tree, and Adam and Eve, and eating the fruit, and all the things that come from that, and the world is broken, and death in it. Like, all, like, a lot of bad things are about to happen. And Noah's coming, and the Tower of Babel is coming, and there's just, the, it, the, it goes from great to broken really, really quickly. 
I mean, just the first generation of people born not created. There's a murder. I mean, there's just all sorts of brokenness. And so when I ask this question, is that is this the God you believe in? I'm not asking, do you believe that the world is still like Genesis chapter 1? I understand. We're, we're kind of progressing our way through this story. But regardless of what we slash they, all of us, me, whatever it is we did to the world, regardless of that, the world has changed, but the God that made this is not. The, the character of this God remains the same. Powerful, creative God who holds and sustains everything just by Him being and who is generous, generous with you. I want you to experience this to its fullest. Do you believe in a powerful, creative God who is also generous with you? Because I think this is where it gets wrong. And again, I don't want to skip ahead too far to next week where we're going to talk about what it is that has broken this and what we can ultimately need to do about it over the next couple of weeks. But ultimately, I think this is where things start to get wrong for us because we, we object, maybe not mentally, but at least emotionally, to one or both of these. Because if ultimately we live a life that says, well, I don't really believe the world belongs to God, then really... The world, the universe, its resources, everything, is now, now it's just a competition. It's a selfish competition about what I can get, and if I have it, you don't have it. And it just becomes this game. It can become a game of consumption and greed. And sure, it's all available, and God just kind of put us out there like some really scary reality show. He just kind of throws you all in there and is like... Go get it and let's see what happened. And like he's just observing a bunch of crazy people consuming and killing and hurting and destroying and greed and holding on to things because we don't view ourselves as caretakers. We view ourselves as competitors for limited resources. Because we think of this, we look and we see that's mine, not that it's God's, and I'm here simply as his caretaker. But you can also, I believe that God is his, everything belongs to him. But you don't really believe that God is generous. So theologically we understand that everything belongs to him, but, but I don't believe that God is generous. And so what that turns, that turns us into sneaky people. Now, um, I've, got, I've got two of my three kids here in the room, so you've got to be a little bit careful here. So we'll just speak generically about kids in general. Maybe your kids have done this. Or you go into their room and all of a sudden you think, where did all of these ants come from? And then you begin to search and you follow the ants. It's like, oh, okay, candy wrappers, cookie, cookie wrappers, packages everywhere where you just see, you see the remnants of sneaky candy and cookie consumption. Or you go, into the, you go into the pantry and you're like, oh, yeah, those are those cookies we bought last week. And you are absolutely convinced that there's at least... 80% of the cookies in there, and you're like, it's empty. Who put the empty cookie? Like, you, you snuck them out, but you couldn't quite have the courage to throw it away, so maybe somebody else will think that they ate all the cookies, and you feel this need to, to sneak desserts, right? So we make, we, 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 we make fun of, of kids for doing that, but this, this is what we do. 
If, if, if I have this fear that God is not generous, he's not going to be good to me, now I have to be sneaky, have to, have to take what's mine, because I don't believe that God is a dessert God. I believe he's the God of broccoli. That God is not, he is not the kind of God that is going to give me dessert. God, he's all about vegetables. And every command of God is about vegetables. Eat your vegetables. Don't eat dessert, eat vegetables. Don't eat, like, I read the Bible and those are the only two things that I see. Don't eat dessert, eat your vegetables. Every command feels like that to me. Because I do not believe in a generous God. And we'll see this just the very next week for us, just a few verses away in the scripture. God says, you can have absolutely everything in the entire world except this one tree. Now I can't take my eyes off the one tree because I think anything that, I, that limits me is a lack of generosity in God because I don't believe in his utter, the nature of his character as a good and generous God. Or maybe we don't believe in either one. It's not his, he's not generous. So I just live in a world of no consequences. I wouldn't imagine that there's a whole lot of us here that think like that, but we see it. There is no God and he doesn't care. And I'm just gonna do whatever it is I want to do. And so I think we can begin to see the way this can start to break. But let's take a step back from that. Let's not jump ahead in the story too far. Let's take a step back and just say, who is this God? Let's not think too much. I think I, I, confess, I, I, think I spend too much time thinking about my own brokenness and how we've broken the world and how we need to fix that. And I think it's important to take a step back and say, who is this God? He is a creative God powerful God, full of beauty and detail. He is a master craftsman. He is a master artist. And he is incredibly generous. He has the intent of placing us here so that we could experience his beautiful, amazing creation to the fullest. This is his nature and his character. And I do, I understand, I understand that we broke it. And I understand, and I would never want us to escape from the idea that not only did we break it, but that Jesus had to come so that we could even have this kind of conversation about how to experience this anymore because of what our sin did. But even in that, we just see even more glimpses of the generosity of, of God. Hey, they broke the world, and because they broke it, they can't experience it. I gotta send my son to redeem them so we can try to get back on track. Evidence cover to cover of a good and generous God, of a powerful God, a creative God. And because we don't see it, we don't believe it, we don't experience it, we, we get off the wrong direction. But if we can take a step back and just in this moment, just worship a powerful, good, and creative God. 
then whatever is our story in our lives, the story of us and our money and our stuff and our selfishness and all this stuff begins to heal at the very, if we can go back to the very beginning and just take moments to reflect on an amazing, good, creative, generous God. Let me pray.